I have a confession to make. Everybody got real serious real fast. <laughs> Sometimes, just secular music than I do church music. No, don't get me wrong. I like church music. But there are songs and there are artists that have, a, have had a profound impact on me that probably would never think that their music would, be, would, would develop one's spirituality and faith life. But it, it is true. And I think it's because a lot of artists maybe have been through tough times and some pain and hurt in their lives along the way, and they get it. I have another confession to make. The title of this sermon and last week's sermon are titles of songs from one of my favorite groups. And I have another confession to make that the line I have a confession to make is the first line of one of their songs, namely the song from the title of last week. So you're wondering who that would be, right? Well, some of you might know of a group that's been around for about 15 or 20 years called Foo Fighters. I know, it's a crazy name. If you've never heard it before, it's kind of silly, right? And they admit that themselves. They're like, well, it's the dumbest name ever for a rock group. But uh, they're very popular uh, among ages 20, clear up into old guys like me in my 60s. Uh, there's something about what they have to share that's, that's uh, really powerful. Um, the song, Times Like These, is a song that actually got me through in 2018. It helped me get through prostate cancer. I, I'm well, I'm healthy now after that. But there's that time, if you've, if you've had cancer or another major illness and you're in the midst of diagnosis and the procedure and then that final path report, you know, for me that was about a three-month period, you know, 90 days of not knowing absolutely for sure did we get it all? Did, did everything get taken care of in the procedure? And you live in that liminal time and you wonder, am I going to be okay? Wow. But isn't that a question that we can ask ourselves just about any day of our life? Will we be okay? And so the refrain from the song, Times Like These, I don't know if it's a copyright infringement to, to share it or not, but I'm just going to do it anyway. It's times like these you learn to live again. It's times like these you give and give again. It's times like these you learn to love again. It's times like these, time and time again. Simple practical kind of reflection. And that refrain happens three or four times in the song. And I don't know about you, but it, it hits me, heart and soul. It's kind of the story of my faith life, which is time and time again, this, this, this need to renew or rethink or reflect on things and start again on a new path or just a little bit different, a nudge here or there from the Holy Spirit, from God in my life. I have to learn and give and love over and over again. And I really think that is the depth of the text that we're dealing with here this morning. I initially read uh, one scholar as I was doing some research on this, this very familiar text that we, we heard read this morning. Thank you for sharing it. It, it sounds so pragmatic, so practical. 
right? You know, this, well, the sower spreads the seeds and here's what happens to them when it lands on various types of ground. But, but when you think about the audience that Jesus was likely sharing this with, uh, remember, Jesus was a person in solidarity with the poor. He was with the powerless, the poor, the people without. He was probably sitting with peasant farmers. And I'm guessing this is a story he probably told over and over again wherever he traveled. And these farmers, think about it. If you're a farmer and you hear this story, I'm just guessing they laughed out loud. <laughs> what farmer would scatter the seed in that way? that would intentionally have it fall on various types of ground. Of course, they would find the, the best place to, to plant those seeds so that they would grow and develop healthily. They want to have a good crop, right? I mean, it's, it's just practical. And so for them to hear this probably brought a kind of laughter. But also, as he spoke, and as we see with the rest of the text, he's using this not literally to talk about crop production. <laughs> He's talking about spiritual production. He's talking about our faith life and how we live it out or don't. And that's, a, that's an important piece of this. It's, it's not just a simple command. We shouldn't take it literally. It's speaking to something different, more deep than that. Jesus knew that his audience needed a relatable and pragmatic message. They needed something that applied to their daily lives. And guess what? When laity are surveyed about what they want from their pastor's sermon on a Sunday morning, guess what it is? I need it to relate to my life, right? So some things never change. It's times like these time and time again. Well, so if you're a farmer and you like the rock group Foo Fighters, you're already having a great Sunday morning, right? Relating to your life. Um, but I want to go a little deeper than that. I suspect, like I said, Jesus probably told this story in many different settings. But people today, like people were back then, and probably always will be, myself included, have a listening problem. We might hear the words, we might be able to acknowledge and even repeat those words to some degree, or at least the meaning of the story or whatever it is we hear, but are we really listening? How do we, how do we really listen and listen in a way that we take in what we're hearing from another person? You, you greet somebody in church, at the grocery store, wherever you might be, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> are they? You know, uh, how do we hear people and what's happening there? And how do we respond? This story is not something that's, as I said, factual or historical. And I believe the, the depth of it comes in the fact that Jesus is asking us to consider spiritual discernment as the path of faith that we follow. It is about how we hear God speaking to us in the moment and most importantly, how we receive it, even before we consider how we respond to it, whatever it might be. How do we receive it? How do we let it soak in? Even if it's something that's disturbing to us, unexpected, out of the norm, 
Sometimes the message can be really simple, and yet it's the hardest for us to hear. We can hear things in our daily lives that, that uh, might be entertaining or interesting or just the process of getting through the day. Uh, I'm sure many, if not most of you, are on some form of social media. I saw some post of one of these little, what do you call them, memes or whatever, and it said, uh, um, you know, why, is a, why does a milk stool have only three legs? And it's because the cow has the udder. I, I had to squeeze, it has nothing to do with the sermon, I just had to put that one out there. That is a granddad joke, by the way. <clears throat> I mean, we laugh at that, right? Did it change your life? Did it deepen your spiritual? You know, maybe the laughter we could argue did, but does it, is it fundamentally change us? Does it, does it lift up the Spirit of God among us? I don't know. Probably not. Or you go through a fast food drive through and you hear that attendant repeat your order, and you affirm it. It's, it's a process that gets you through the day. You remember it, you can recall it, but does it fundamentally change your thinking on issues or what your faith life is about? Probably not. It's a Coke and a cheeseburger, right? So what I'm talking about is, is how, do we, how do we focus our lives? I mean, as important as some of those things are in just getting through the day, how do we focus our lives on those things that, that really matter, that, 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 that lift us up, that uh, embolden us to address injustices and pain and suffering of this world, to do whatever healing might be necessary between family members or friends that you have where, where things have gone awry. How do we get to that? Well, I think this story gives us a bit of a model on how to do that. Like the seeds in the story, the actions and behaviors that we have and that we put out there matter and, and, and how we do it. How, how are we to be bold and yet thoughtful and knowing when restraint is the order of the day? Those are important considerations in terms of what you might call our emotional or thoughtful reactivity to things. How do we react to the news of the day or to what somebody does or says around us? Somebody close, maybe a total stranger. In any situation, in any relationship. That's one important piece of the work that I believe he talks about here. This is about putting out something or receiving something and how do we let it grow? How does it become fruitful, both for us and the other? The focus I think he's, he's, he's offering, and, and maybe it was a part of the text or part of the story that didn't get recorded here, but it is, um, it is letting God care for that growth in our lives. Like the soil our hearts, the hearts of our of people, and trusting in the Spirit's presence in our hearts and minds is what empowers us. I wish we could have our harvest described the way it is at the end, where, you know, some of it's this portion, some of it's this, up all the way up to 60-fold, but that's not always the case. For some, it's little to nothing, and we know that. And so we want to react in anger or sadness or pain. 
But how do we, instead of just emotional reactivity, create a rational thought process to begin to care for those issues? Now, you all do a lot of this here at St. Paul's. I've seen it. We've talked about a number of things in the announcements. It's what you do. It's how you, how you act and, and move forward in whatever uh, process needs to take place to bring healing. I shared it in my trumpet message um, a, few, a few minutes uh, ago, I mentioned it, but um, the service that we had here for, for Raymond Higgins this past week. Visitation, well over a thousand people. Sanctuary nearly full for the service itself. The tributes, the thoughts that were brought by his colleagues, his family members that shared the story of his life. So powerful. I know he is missed. I watched all of this happening as the new kid on the block here and, and realized just how healthy this congregation is and how much you live into this text and the community as well. There didn't have to be this great call for support or help. People just showed up and started doing the work that needed to be done in preparation for this. I don't know how many of you were here, probably a good number of you are already are in here today, and I thank you for that, for all of you, for your prayers and support for this family and for the church and this community through a difficult time. We're grateful for that. But the fact that it just happened, there was no fanfare about it. It, was just, it just came together. And that's such a powerful thing because it was about your action over the emotional reactivity we could have sat there and writhed in pain, but we moved forward. And I watched brave people do that, people who were very close to him, taking part in various aspects of the services and the visitation time. Powerful stuff. It's plain and simple. What Jesus was asking these peasants to take on was a big task. Poor, powerless people being asked to live into their faith that he was offering them, something brand new to them, saying, you do have power. In times like these, maybe he said, we have the power to change. The injustices that you're feeling, the pain and the suffering you have because your, your children are starving, we can fix this. And all the while, as Jesus is talking to those peasant farmers, not far away, wealthy and powerful people were around, listening to him carefully. How would they react? Well, we know. How do we live into our faith lives in such a way that we hear Jesus' message to us? One that some, is oftentimes not comfortable at all to hear. I don't know about you, I, I want the comfortable Jesus. I want the one that makes me feel good, reassures me that I'm a good person, all those things. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I want to say that. 
But what about the message of faith that we, we, our faith lives that we get and are called to live out that put us in places of discomfort or even danger at times? How do we live into those kinds of things? How do we live into the controversial pieces where we know in our world things aren't right and we know the church has some power to be a voice there? I'm not going to name those. You can make your own list. I'm asking you to think about how you respond to that. Is it that emotional reactivity? Well, they're just all wrong. Or is it a reflection? It is a time to step back and, and be prayerful and meditative and to listen with care. Doesn't mean we have to disagree with whatever it is that might be before us. But how do we speak to it in a Christ-like fashion? That's the important piece of the work is the conversation. I believe most of Jesus' parables and stories were about starting conversations. Those relationship building processes are so important. So I encourage you to do that. I know many of you do, and those conversations are, are often very fruitful, and that's a gift. But doing it with a thoughtful and careful process is important. Just random conversations may not be the best process to live into. So how do we think forward? You know, one of the things as your new senior pastor over time, I want to, uh, to be able to, to, to look into the life of this church and to have lots of conversations with you about what does our future look like? Where are we in 20 years? How will this place remain vital and caring and loving for your little children, for you, young lady? Yeah, just for you. How will, how will we be a part of shaping that future? Because when we're a part of that kind of thought process, it also builds us up in this very moment. And I think Jesus knew that. It's something living into is, is important for us to do. It's not a one-time thing. It's not just throwing the seed out there and seeing where it lands. I believe Jesus was asking us to be a little more precise, a little more thoughtful in our discernment. So how do we do that together? I don't have the answers, answers for that. It's just an important question I think we need to consider. Not just here at St. Paul's, but in any of our congregations. As your former district superintendent, I can tell you that's the case. But we have good roots here for getting that kind of conversation going. And I hope we do. Amen.